Welcome to the ABR podcast, where some of Australian book reviews contributors discuss major issues or read their reviews and creative writing. My name's Georgina Arnott, and I'm the assistant editor at ABR. If you enjoy these podcasts, think about subscribing to the magazine. Those 25 and under can do so for as little as $25 for the online version, or $60 for print plus online. Last month, Lachlan Murdoch surprised media watchers by dropping defamation proceedings against Crikey, the Australian online news and investigative reporting site. Murdoch had argued that Crikey defamed him personally by calling him a co-conspirator with Donald Trump in the January 6 attacks on the Capitol building. In this week's ABR podcast... David Rolfe explains that the case was set to be an early test of the new public interest defence within federal defamation law. But what halted Murdoch may have had less to do with this shift and more to do with legal proceedings in the US involving his media company. Once again, what happens in Australia is shaped by events occurring on the other side of the globe. David Rolfe is Professor of Law at the University of Sydney and the author of books including Reputation, Celebrity and Defamation Law. Here he is with Who Blinks First? Lachlan Murdoch versus Crikey, coming soon in the June issue of ABR. Lachlan Murdoch's defamation proceedings against Crikey promised to be a test case on the new public interest defence. Following Murdoch's discontinuation of his claim in April, The scope and application of the public interest defence to defamation awaits another appropriate vehicle. Lachlan Murdoch commenced proceedings in the Federal Court of Australia, suing not only private media, the publisher of Crikey, but also its former editor-in-chief, Peter Frey, and its political editor, Bernard Keane. Subsequently, he applied to have private media's chairman, Eric Beecher, and its chief executive officer, Will Haywood, added as respondents. Proceedings arose out of a column by Bernard Keane published in late June 2022 under the headline, Trump is a confirmed unhinged traitor and Murdoch is his unindicted co-conspirator. In the column, Keane referred to the Murdochs as being unindicted co-conspirators, along with former United States President Donald Trump being responsible for the January 6 attack on the Capitol. Although Crikey initially took down the column in response to correspondence from Lachlan Murdoch's solicitor, it subsequently changed its position. It reposted the article, then took out advertisements in the New York Times and the Canberra Times, challenging Lachlan Murdoch to sue for defamation. Lachlan Murdoch did just that. Murdoch's defamation proceedings in Australia did not occur in a vacuum. Also on foot at the same time were defamation proceedings in Delaware, brought by Dominion Voting Systems against Fox News. Dominion sued over repeated assertions by Fox News presenters and on-air guests that its voting systems were rigged to help the Democrats steal, as it were, the 2020 United States presidential election from Trump. Prior to trial, Dominion received a vast amount of documentary evidence and depositions from key figures within Fox News and Fox Corporation, including Rupert Murdoch himself. This material disclosed that from the time of the 2020 election, until after the Capitol insurrection, Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch doubted Trump's assertion that he had won the presidential election, but were willing to enable compares and commentators who subscribed to this conspiracy theory so as not to alienate the Fox News audience. 
The Fox News audience had already been alienated by the news channel's election night reporting that the Democrats had won the key state of Arizona, taking it from the Republicans. The revelations in the pre-trial disclosure were devastating for Fox News' defence in the defamation proceedings brought by Dominion. To understand the full extent of the damage wrought by this material, one needs to know a little about United States defamation law. Since the United States Supreme Court's landmark decision in New York Times and Sullivan in 1964, it has been extremely difficult for plaintiffs with any public profile to sue for defamation in the United States. The plaintiff needs to prove that what has been published is false, which is the reverse of the position which pertains elsewhere in the English-speaking world, like Australia, where the defendant has to prove what was published was true. In the United States, the plaintiff also needs to prove that the defendant published with actual malice. Actual malice means either knowledge that what was published was false or reckless indifference as to whether it was true or false. A defamation plaintiff in the United States then faces a very high bar in order to establish liability. Yet Dominion was clearly on track to be able to establish liability against Fox News. The trial judge had made preliminary rulings that the allegations were clearly false. The material disclosed prior to trial provided a firm foundation for an argument that Fox News was motivated by actual malice. It was unsurprising then that on the day of the six-week trial was due to commence, the matter settled. It's worth noting, I think, that a company like Dominion could not have sued for defamation in Australia because corporations have been presumptively precluded from suing for defamation across Australia since 2005. The settlement in Dominion and Fox News made legal and commercial sense for the Murdochs. The Murdochs avoided having to give evidence and, more importantly, being cross-examined on the damaging revelations in the pre-trial disclosures. The amount agreed to by way of settlement $787.5 million US, whilst vast, was not as much as Dominion had initially sought. Fox News also avoided having to agree to make an on-air apology or retraction. Dominion and Fox News is not the last of the voting machine defamation cases Fox News faces. At the time of writing, Fox News still faces a defamation lawsuit from Smartmatic, one of Dominion's competitors, over similar vote-rigging allegations with a claim for similarly large damages. Compared to the United States defamation proceedings, the stakes in Lachlan Murdoch's Australian defamation proceedings against Crikey were, on one view, much lower. The damages he could have recovered in Australia would have been considerably smaller than those Fox News had agreed to pay Dominion. Damages for non-economic loss in Australia, comprising damages to reputation and injury to feelings, are capped, with the current cap being set at $443,000. This full amount would only be awarded in the most serious case in any event. A successful plaintiff can also seek aggravated damages for any additional hurt or humiliation they suffered, so long as they could prove that the defendant's conduct was improper, unjustifiable or lacking in bona fides. Exemplary or punitive damages cannot be awarded for defamation in Australia. Damages for economic loss might be claimed in Australia and are uncapped but any amount sought and awarded would have been dwarfed by the amount received by Dominion in the United States. Having settled the defamation case in the United States with Dominion in order to minimise the reputational harm done by the revelations in the pre-trial disclosure and to avoid cross-examination, it was difficult for Lachlan Murdoch to continue his defamation case against Crikey in Australia. 
This was particularly because Crikey was keen to rely on those revelations in its defence. It would have defeated the purpose of the settlement of the Dominion proceedings continue with the Crikey proceedings. There is another way in which the pursuit of the Crikey proceedings could have been self-defeating for the Murdoch's media interests. A central defence relied upon by the Crikey was the new public interest defence to defamation. This defence was one of the key reforms introduced across Australia in 2001, except for Western Australia and the Northern Territory, in the first stage of the reforms to the National Uniform Defamation Laws. Along with the introduction of a requirement that the plaintiff prove serious harm to reputation, the public interest defence was intended to make Australia's defamation laws less plaintiff-friendly. To win his case against Crikey, Lachlan Murdoch would have had to have defeated Crikey's public interest defence. If successful, he would be setting a precedent which, while it might have secured him substantial damages in his own case, would also be used against mass media outlets in Australia in every other case in the future. On one view, then, it might be fairly said that it was not in the interest of Murdoch's media outlets for Lachlan Murdoch to have won his case against Crikey. With Lachlan Murdoch discontinuing his defamation proceeding, Crikey declared victory for public interest journalism. The determination of the actual operation of the new public interest defence to defamation has been deferred. The case then is not important for the precedent it establishes because it establishes none. Like Christian Porter's defamation proceedings against the ABC, Lachlan Murdoch's case against Crikey demonstrates that strategy and commercial realities are just as important in high-stakes defamation cases as strict legalities. Ultimately, in these kinds of standoffs, it comes down to who blinks first. Thanks for listening to the Australian Book Review podcast. Join us again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing to ABR? Subscriptions start from just $10 a month for full digital access. Visit our website for more information. We'd like to thank Stacey Chan, who edits the podcast, as well as our contributors who take the time to read their articles and creative writing. And if you enjoy listening to the ABR podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.